The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Next, I get the privilege. Let me grab a grab one of these deals here. The privilege to bring up somebody who's been really influential in this church, even though you may not know him. Um, he is uh, a church planter. I try to describe him in the hallway. It's hard to do, uh, but he he's pastored. He's done church revitalization, which is going to churches that are falling apart or crumbling, helping build them back up. He helps people transition in ministry from one phase to the next as kind of God moves them into different uh, phases of life. Uh, also uh, runs some different programs where he travels around the country and does discipleship programs, teaching people how to not just know about God, but what God's designed for their own personal life is and how to live that out. And so he's, I mean, fully invested into every aspect of how to help people know God, not just mentally, although he does have a doctorate, not just mentally, but and a lot of people, the more educated they get, the less relational they get. But uh, Dr. Kirk Mackey down here, his uh, desire is always the heart. No matter when I talk to him, it's never about just all the stuff he's learned. It's always like, okay, well, how does this work with how God wants to walk with you? How does this work in how God wants you to live? And so um, I've asked him if he'd come share, and he's going to just teach on uh, and preach on this, uh, an aspect of how we can be under construction and know God. And to walk that out together as a community is what we've been talking about. And so let's give him a hand and bring him up. But uh, get your notepads out. This is going to be well worth taking some notes on. Thank you, buddy. I shall just go with this. Just raise that up. We're good. Hey, super. Andy, thank you for the welcome. It's great to finally meet you in person because, as Andy has suggested, I have been tracking your life and your birth and your growth for the last three years. And it's a privilege to come the weekend before your three-year anniversary celebration and just to share with you and bring the word. I'm also, just to be honest, I'm digging that chocolate, like, river thing, molten thing. That was really cool during worship. I mean, I'm a chocolate guy. And so that thing was like, yes! Like, oh, like where is that afterward? Like, right? You didn't see chocolate? Do you all see chocolate? Is it just me? The chocoholic in the room is like, that's all I see is, like, Big chocolate fountain. Oh, man, I love this church. This is so good. So, friends, I, as, as Andy said, I have been, uh, I've pastored. In fact, you can be praying for me. I'm about to leave in a few weeks for a month trip through Russia, Siberia, and into Odessa, Ukraine, where I'll be teaching pastors and a class in a seminary there. And so part of my ministry is to encourage leaders around the world. And so now I get to go back into Russia. It's been a couple years it's going to be strange, of course, with the whole pandemic and all of that. I just really covet your prayers. As a partnering church, just a church that I love, I've been loving you from afar, now I get to be with you this morning. But I sure appreciate your interceding for me, because traveling to that part of the world is always, um, you just never know quite what's going to go down, right? They may even say, well, you're not even going to come in today, sorry. Like, that, that can happen. When Olga just goes, nyet, like, no, not today. Like, oh, it would really be a bummer to get this far. And all the passport, there's just a lot. And yet God is doing some amazing things with your brothers and sisters in that part of the world, coming out of an oppressive system. And, and they need your prayers, and, and it's wonderful that we can be a part of, of their um, growing into faith and maturity as churches. So thank you for your partnership in that. 
I'm just glad to be with you this morning. I want to share something about under construction. And it's my privilege to talk about, again, the, the role of the scriptures in our lives, not, as Pastor said, not just in our heads, but how do we make it real in here? So to start that whole thing, I want to talk just for a moment about computers, okay? Now, I actually am not a computer guy. In fact, I don't like, I used to have a PC. I don't like my Mac. I don't like, they stress me out, quite honestly. But I also appreciate what you can do with them, and I appreciate the power of those things. And I'm intrigued by the fact that there are scientists that are trying to mimic with computers what happens in your brain. So let me give you some numbers to show you how amazing this is. They're trying to, to, to show you, to make a computer run like the brain. So here's what they've been able to do. They've been able to mimic one second of real time, but it took 42 minutes of computer power with a computer that looks like this. That's amazing to me that all of that running for 42 minutes simulates one second in your brain. Right? It's just like, wow. That's the K computer right there. So they've taken 1.73 billion virtual nerve cells and 10.4 trillion synapses to try and create one virtual second of what's happening just now in your brain. They're not even close. So I am definitely not ready to get into a Tesla that drives itself, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm not ready for that. Because life is too complicated, there's too much going on, and computers can't yet track all of that. There's no way. The brain has 86 billion neurons in it, linked by a trillions of synapses. And they're trying to capture that in a computer. There's another picture here, too, the next one. That actually was, at one point, a few years ago, the fastest computer in the world. It does, now check this out. There are 300 billion stars in our galaxy. And that computer can run 100,000 times as many calculations per second as there are stars in our galaxy. And that, again, is only capturing a few seconds of your brain. What's between your ears is the most amazing thing in the universe besides God himself. Can I say it that way? He made these, this computer, if you will, between your ears, and it's the most incredible object, I think, in the physical universe, because it's all about what controls you, what you think about, what you feel, the decisions you make are all generated inside of us in this amazing thing that God has made. It is the most complex mechanism in the entire universe, and so my question becomes, what then are we putting in it for it to function well? Are we serious about what we place in us? So literally, I would ask this question. Like literally, what thoughts and images do we put into our brain? What do we see, read, and hear on a regular basis that's feeding this amazing entity between our ears? I would even ask this question. What food? Do you eat and what things do you drink that actually nourish your brain? Or maybe let's just say not nourish your brain. So I'm confession. I'm at Denny's this morning, which is not like the greatest thing in the world. 
But it was a quiet place to go and prepare for the message and, again, kind of get my heart. So, you know, the Grand Slam. And as I'm eating my Grand Slam with all the greasy bacon and the pan, all, I'm like, and I'm reading this text again about what am I putting in my body to nourish my brain. And I realize, like, this is not good brain food. It's just not. And I was convicted again, like, Lord, i got to start amping up the vegetables and a little less bacon, right? It's just time to make those shifts. And are we exercising? Are we taking vitamins? What are we doing to nourish this beautiful computer, if you will, that God has made that governs our life? We've got to be careful what we put in it. That's why the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It's on the screen here, I believe. We said, yeah, said, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the word he writes? Think about these things. Put our minds on those things. They elevate us instead of tear us down. So confession, I mean, I've got one of these in my pocket, right? This is the 11th version of this thing. Whatever, they'll have a 12th, it'll be faster, and we'll have more and more images. And I admit, I, I am kind of addicted to news apps. I'm curious, and I have input learner as part of my strengths finder. So I just slurp up information, news, what's happening around the world. But it is easy for me to get very depressed very quickly as I just continually take in tragedy around the world. Because news is always what's wrong, right? So it's never like, hey, the plane landed, right? They don't, they, that's not news. That's what's supposed to happen. It's when it goes sideways and goes off the runway and bad stuff happens, makes news. And I realize that I just take in a lot of negativity. I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? Oh, because I want to be hip. I want to understand. I want to manage my life. I need to know what's going on around me. I want to control things. That, that's really what's at the heart of that. So, Lord, it's, that means I don't trust you, right? Because <laughs> I have to be the one that, like, has it all figured out all the time. And then it makes me anxious because I can't can do anything about all this crazy stuff anyway. Hmm. So I'm in my own conviction about how much news product am I going to take into my soul on a daily basis. What's an appropriate way to say, I want to understand what's going on without obsessing on what's going on. Just an example. Paul says to think about things that are good and pure and noble and admirable. See, again, the, the brain, the mind, is the most important entity in all creation. And so what we put in it matters. To, let me say it this way. To follow Jesus well is to live as God's kingdom people on earth. And living as into God's mission in the world, then the question is, what should we put into our minds if we're going to be followers of Jesus? What are we putting in there? So we're in this series about under construction. And we've been talking about different ways that God is forming us and making us into his people. And so I just want to just kind of jump on it here at the end of it and suggest this, that the most important commandment, Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? And he said this, right? He said, hear, O Israel. Check it out up here. In fact, can we read this one together? I don't usually do this, but I think you need, you know what? We need to read this together. Can I even be bold? Can we just stand? Let's read this sucker, because this is a gem right here. All right, church, ready, set, go. Morton, come on, answer Jesus. 
is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Amen. You sounded great, church. You ever done that before? Nope. Me either. So anyway, just felt like we should do, that's an amazing text. Jesus sums up the whole package. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, we're talking about today, and strength. I know churches that will literally wrap their, their disciplines around those four. Let me give you an example of what that might look like. They'll say, okay, if we're going to worship God with all of our hearts, let's provide a place on a weekly basis where we come and we have corporate worship together, and we experience and love God with our hearts. We are emotional. We let it rip. I got so actually invested in your worship here this morning and worshiping God, I actually forgot where I was and who's preaching. Man, this is I love you, Jesus. I love being in this band. It's amazing. This is a, it's a comfortable place. And also like, wait, oh, I'm up next. Which means I fully was able to let go and be in the presence of the Lord and try to get outside of me. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you, worship team, for that. Corporate worship is a way to worship with our heart. And then if you want to worship, our soul is, this, is, this, is, is us and the private parts of us, of course, too. And, and so a personal time with God, I'm sure Pastor Andy's been saying, you've got to spend time with Jesus every day. Because if you're coming once a week to get just the word once a week and then that's it till next weekend, you'll die spiritually. Right? Like we need this daily. We need food every day. We need spiritual food every day. So, so the encouragement is to, to spend time, whether it's on apps or, or notes from Bible studies or however you folks do it, but spend time with Jesus every day. Amen? And then I'm going to encourage you this way, that there is a scripture application that comes as you get together in community, in small groups where you're able to be with each other, love each other, wrestle with the scriptures together, and apply them together. And over time, if you do that, you will grow and mature. We're going to talk more about that this morning. And then finally, some churches also say, okay, heart, soul, mind, and last one is strength. So it's time to use our spiritual gift and the talents that God has given us individually to serve his church and the world around us. And if we lean into those four disciplines, those four habits, those rhythms, God will form us and we'll be under construction and starting to become Mature. Sound good? So again, what are we putting into our brains? That's our focus this morning, the mind piece. Because what we put in our brains matters. The whole mess of sin that we live with today began as an idea. You ever thought about that? It all starts with a bad idea. Genesis 3.1, serpent says, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. When Satan undertook to draw Adam and Eve away from the Lord, he didn't hit them with a stick, he hit them with an idea. And he got that idea to work inside of them. And essentially it's an idea that, that God can't really be trusted. God is holding out something on you. So have you thought about, and so the idea begins to to give birth, and then the very essence of all temptation is this, that God is keeping us from something good. 
The temptation says that's actually better. And God says no because God's holding out on you. God knows that's really cool. And he's, he doesn't want you to experience. No, no, no. God knows that's going to destroy you. And it may taste good, look good, feel good to start, but it will take you down. He made the universe. He knows how this works. But it's these ideas that, that work their way into us that mess us up. In Colossians, Paul said this in chapter 2, verse 8. He said, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love that translation. <laughs> high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Jesus Christ. So what is it that, what's the, what's the soup that we're swimming in? The ideas that we let trickle in. And are they high-sounding nonsense? Dr. Dallas Willard, one of my former professors, who's now in glory, probably one of the most influential men in my life in terms of his thinking and his writings, he said this, he said, we first turned away from God in our thoughts, so it is in our thoughts that the first movements toward the renovation of the heart occurs. He says, thoughts are the place where we can and we must begin to change. It begins in the thoughts. What we put into our brains matters. Ideas matter. In the book of Romans, I want to land this morning. The Apostle Paul spends 11 chapters, Romans 1 through 11, laying out amazing theology, explaining why the whole world, the universe is all a mess. He's explaining how God is redeeming it. It is really, it's like the highest theological book probably in the New Testament. It is deep stuff. It, it is chewing on, 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 on serious, serious ideas. And then he comes to chapter 12. And if you've got a Bible, whether analog or digital or whatever, feel free to turn there. And he says in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, perhaps you know it. After all this great theology, Romans 1 through 11, he says, Therefore, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow. See, in our contemporary Western world, we tend to think of religion as a system as a, as a, or a belief as a way of living. But the ancient people were obsessed with sacrifices. They were all about appeasing gods by sacrificing animals and even sometimes, sadly, human beings. It was gross. Okay? And they, they were all about sacrifice, but it didn't matter where my heart was. As long as I did the ritual, then those gods would be appeased and I can live my life. And Paul says in the context of that ancient world, no, 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 no. The way this works is we've got to be informed. What we put in our head matters. And what he's saying is this. It, what Paul is saying is that worship that pleases God is informed. That is, it's offered by Christians who understand who God is, what he has given us through, through Jesus, and what he asks of us in response. So how do we do that? Verse 2 says, we give ourselves as the sacrifices, not conforming to the patterns of this world. 
So the challenge is this, is to live the pattern of the kingdom of God, not the pattern of the world. So friends, as followers of Jesus, as, as beat people, right, the beat church people, and where I come from in Conroe, Texas, and, and we're all over the world, we are, we are kingdom people who literally live differently because we're living by a different kingdom. And we will look strange and odd in this world. And that's because the world is so broken and messed up. We're actually trying to live according to true north, the king who redeems us, who made us, who's actually doing a good work in the world. We want to live by that pattern and not by the patterns of this world. But that's not easy to do because so much is coming at us. And and as we come to Jesus, we still have sin patterns in our lives that we have to continually through disciplines and through community and accountability continue to let go of and embrace the new, embrace the truth, embrace our new life in Jesus Christ, embrace living and listening to the Holy Spirit. And a key part of that, of course, is renewing our minds. So we do that here. As uh, Carrie, I think you were mentioning, just there are life groups, small groups, whatever you want to call them, that happen that are a vital part of being together in community, discussing scripture and renewing our minds. Here are the benefits, if you will, of small groups. So I'm going to push, you got to get in a small group. If you're not in a small group, you're not in the real thing. Is that fair? Is that oversold? Okay. Get in a small group, because that's where it happens. Pastor's amazing. He's going to preach well every weekend, but you've got to digest it and, and think about it and wrestle with it and apply it. And that happens we get together in small groups and begin to live into Jesus. Amen? So here's what happens. When you're in a small group, first thing that you deal with is you get a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. So what's a worldview? A worldview is the grid that you have, whether you know it or not. It's the way you interpret reality. It's the way that you know what is really real. Okay? You could have a worldview that says, hey, everything happened according to random processes, and this computer in your head just randomly showed up out of space dust, and I'm just going to live according to that principle. That's a worldview. And a lot of people in this community live that way. And their life is chaotic because they believe that they were created in chaos. So why not? If you're here just to make my nerve endings go whammo and then die, then I guess that's a way to live. That's a worldview, right? Another worldview is it begins with God in Genesis chapter 1, and the biblical worldview says there's a creation, there's a fall, there's God redeeming the world, and there's a coming world where you're actually going to reign with Jesus forever. And what happens here on earth matters in training the next. That's a different worldview. So which one is the right one? The world will tell you all the empty sounding philosophies and all that nonsense and it's very confusing and it's very circular and it ends in death. The biblical worldview says there is hope, there is freedom, there is forgiveness and that you're training for reigning. I want to be on that train. And why do I know that's true? Because Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going with that guy. Right? You can follow all the, all the different philosophies of the world, but guess what? All those guys are in the grave. Jesus is not. 
And the most historically attested event is the resurrection. Now, scholars will dance all around that and try to figure out all kind of funny reasons of why that really couldn't be. But when you get really honest, it happened. And because it happened, everything's different. And therefore, it makes sense to follow that guy who's been to the other side and back and has taken us there. I'm going with him. That's a biblical worldview. And small groups are places where we get to wrestle with Scripture, walk with Jesus, listen to the Spirit, encourage each other, challenge each other, grow with each other, and develop a biblical worldview. Sound good? Your group's going to get bigger now, right? Let's get them going. We've got to get more leaders trained up, too. If you're feeling like, I think I might be able to do that, see these two. We need more leaders, right? We need more groups. That's where the action is. All right, second point. By the way, when you grow in a biblical worldview, when you grow in Christ, you have a lot to learn, and you have a lot to unlearn. Because if we've been inundated by the world, its values and philosophies, we're going to have to undo that stuff. So learning means also shedding, and that's painful to let go of the old stuff. And yet, again, I want to go with the guy that came back. He's the truth. This is not my notes. I'm totally off script now, but I just love you guys and having fun. So I don't know if you guys have any seen this, this new show, The Chosen. Here's my new commercial for that show. I do not get paid for this, but I am, I am just absolutely amazed at this new app called The Chosen. Have you heard of it? Have you seen it? It's amazing. If you have not checked this out, and by the way, I, as a pastor, been around a while, I am skeptical of Christian television. It's not always the finest quality, greatest writing, greatest acting, and so I'm like, oh, another Christian show. Ah. So I've been resisting it for like a, a year. And I finally got worn down by a friend. I said, you've got to see this thing. So I watched it. I'm, I'm like, I'm hooked in. It is so well done. And it captures the essence, I think, of what Jesus was really like. Not just some weird guy with blonde hair floating around. In a, it's just No, there's like a Hebrew-looking guy who's funny, because I think Jesus was funny and interesting. And, and that's why lost people love being around him. And this show captures it so well. So you've got to watch that show and discuss it, talk about it. That could be a whole new series. Just watch the show, talk about it, and figure it out. To live like that. You're going to learn, you're going to unlearn. It makes sense? Also, here's what happens. Bible application happens in small groups. As you were joking, I'm, I'm a heady guy. Like I love to read, I love information, I, mean, I take in a lot of stuff. But I've come to realize that more stuff in my head doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to follow the Lord well, because it's all about application. And I'm an information guy, but i got to work to make it apply. And I've learned that maturity does not come by knowledge, it comes by walking and living. You can have all the books on the shelf in the world, all the books on the world on the shelf, I mean, and know all the Bible verses and still be immature. Because it hasn't trickled down to here. If you don't have love, Paul says, you're just a banging gong. I don't want to be a noisy symbol. And I think in small groups, we begin to, to let the Scriptures read us as we read the Scripture and begin to grow through that and, and actually become more loving, more like Jesus. It's interesting, in a book called In the Dust of the Rabbi Jesus, Lois Tverberg, she retells uh, a story about Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva is shepherding his flocks, and he notices a little stream that runs down over this little cliff and as he sees the rock down below, there's a big boulder at the bottom of, the, of where the water pours down. And he noticed when he climbs down there that the water dripping has actually carved a groove in the stone. 
And he realizes that over years and centuries of water flowing and dripping, it molds and carves and, and literally shapes stone. And he begins to realize if it came all at once, the water would probably just move the stone away, but it wouldn't carve it. It wouldn't shape it. And he realized the steady, slow dripping of the Scripture continually working on us changes us, even we're hard-hearted, if we continually embrace it. Make sense? And then the author of the book who, who found that story, she said, you know, I want to I wanna be a Hebrew scholar that has like one book that solves all the questions. Like I want the simple one-shot deal. Then she realizes because of the implication of the water dripping that, you know, God doesn't do it often in one splash. It comes slowly over time as God's word works on us and changes us and we grow and let go and embrace the news. Make sense? So year after year of being in small groups and life groups around here, God will make you new in him if you'll show up and play. If you hold back, You'll miss it. Last thing. So here's what I was, let me say this. Anybody know Star Trek? Remember that show? Or am I too old? Okay, that's Star Trek, by the way. That, you got it, right? A few of us? Yeah. Okay, right? You 60s kids, right? So in the Star Trek, that guy on the right, that's, that's Spock. He's half human, half Vulcan, I guess, right? Vulcan, right? And he has no emotions, but he lo- the, the Vulcan mind meld was this trick where he would like put his hands on your head and like beam something like right in there and all of a sudden you got it right and you could hear like bible reading in small groups is not that it doesn't happen in one shot it's the slow dripping of water that that shapes us you're not going to get a zap pastor andy's not going to pray on you it all downloads that'd be cool it's not going to happen it's slow it happens in community over time in a rhythm make sense Last thing you get is you get community for support in small groups. When you're in a small group, you're literally on people that are going to love you when the bottom falls out. Because life happens and it will happen. Right? It may be your day today and my day tomorrow and your day next week, but the bottom's going to fall out. And we need to be in a community that can speak truth to us and love on us and hold us accountable so we don't go off the rails, especially with the, all, the crazy high-sounding philosophies of the world that says, do this to numb the pain. It's like, no, 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 you walk with Jesus, we're praying for you. We need each other in small groups together. So I want you to receive the gentle challenge of others as you grow into new ideas and behaviors and unlearn other patterns in your life. Sound good? Dallas Willard said this. The ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon. You have a choice. Choose wealth. Choose Jesus. Choose his kingdom. Choose the scriptures. Choose the truth. Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, that's what God's doing. This is my final couple thoughts here. The Lord is actually redeeming us from sin and from hell to give us a new life, and he's making us like the heart of the Father, gracious, generous, good, loving, 
The Bible says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got most of them. That's what God's trying to form in us. Because he's preparing us, remember, to reign in eternity. This is, this is training ground. And how we respond to life matters. God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you, to give you his spirit to fill your life, to unlearn and to relearn, and to make you more like him. And over time, with the scriptures, in community, with the rhythms, God's going to do a great work in each of you. That is the adventure you're on. And God is so good. And he loves you. And he's doing a great work in you. And it's my privilege to come and bless you and encourage you. So thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the Beat Church for three years of an amazing ministry that's just beginning. God, I pray that you'd allow this church to reach hundreds and have influence over thousands in this community. May it preach the truth in the midst of craziness in our culture. May it be a beacon of hope. May you expand its leadership and grow leaders and small group leaders so more and more people can have community, that there might be great revival, Father, of, of people coming to faith and maturing and growing and becoming like Jesus. May people say, the Beat Church, those are people, they act different, they're like Jesus. Lord, may it be so. Thank you for three years of your faithfulness to this church. May you continue to go another three and another three and another three. We love you. We bless you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks, pal. All right. Um, let's just do this real quick. Um, we sang this song earlier, and it talked about just the goodness of God, right? That song about blessing. <laughs> And Donnie said, as we sang that, he said, you know, how has God done that in your life? And one of the big blessings, and, and Kirk kind of hit on it, that God does in our life is he allows us to have a community where we can grow through process. Like, we don't have to be perfect right when we walk in, right? We grow through process. And so I know that God is doing that in our lives, and he's doing that in each of you. And he talked about community groups. I didn't even know he was going to talk about community groups today. That is a great way to do that. We have different groups uh, that you can be a part of. Uh, in order to do that, there's men's Bible study. There's women's coffee. There's the, the evening community groups. But coming into those places and being willing to be open about who you are and where you are and allow God to just work on the process of bringing you forward is a huge part of the growth that we are having as a church and that we will have. And I know I'm just looking around, you know, I know we've been through stuff together. I know we prayed for Bree not too long ago and Jalen because we didn't know where Jalen was, if he's coming back, right? But he's here, right? And God's done that. You know, faith, we were praying for you. And here you are, amazing part of the church, right? You didn't even know that, right? And that was awesome. And Jessica, you know, your family, you guys are here and God's been working in you. And you guys had to take a few weeks off, but now you're back, right? And God's been working in your lives and growing you and making changes in who you are and how things are working. And there's just a process that God, that's Alec, and he's working on getting his kids and, and becoming a great father, right? We don't have to come into a church setting and be ashamed or embarrassed of anywhere where we're coming from or what we're going through because God is changing and bringing us through. And so we're all looking around at each other. It's like, okay, we know where we're going, right? And so we're getting better. You know, the club, when we were in Vancouver, uh, Washington, Bend, Oregon, they had Planet Fitness, which they have here. But um, as you can tell, I go to a much better club because I'm so fit. 
but Planet Fitness, they have a big thing on the wall that's like, it's, what's this, is no shame or something like that? No judgment zone. The no judgment zone. No fun to go in and work out if you walk in and the first thing at the door is they just do like a, a fitness check on you. They just look at you and go, yeah, no, ain't happening. <laughs> so, uh, ain't happening. Get back out. That's the exit over there. But you go there. I started working out for myself. I have weights in my office right now. Praise God. And it's been one day, as Pastor I would say, one glorious, wonderful day. I injured myself on that. Um, Alex was boxing. And first round went really good, right? In your first fight, how'd the second round go? Not great, right? Why? Because you weren't ready, right? You weren't fit. But does that determine your future? No, because now look at him. The guy's turning into a machine. He's like almost no body fat left. He's like starving himself to death. All that stuff's going on, right? Hyro's probably over there kicking his butt right now to get in shape, right? Because next time he goes in, he's going to do better, right? But the only reason he's able to do that is because he went through the process of figuring out, man, if I don't get fit for the second round and I don't knock him out in the first round, I'm in trouble. So I got to now change how I'm doing things, right? And it's a growth process. And so we have to allow room in relationship and in church and in family like this for us all to grow together. Right, so when you see people going through stuff, right, just know, hey, we're all in process. You know, when you see me screwing stuff up, because I will, right, I'm in process. We're all in process trying to become more like Jesus. And so thank you for that word, Kirk, because that fits right into what we're trying to do, be under construction and grow. Uh, guys, there's food, there's, uh, there's drinks over there, some snacks and stuff. Stick around, make some friends. If you feel insecure and you feel really like, oh, I can't go over there because I don't know if people are going to like me, guess what? We don't because we don't know you. So we don't like you yet. But we might like you if we get to know you, right? And so just come over and let us get to know you. And guess what? You can get to know me. And it might just turn out that I like you. It might just turn out that I like you, but you don't like me. I mean, that happens sometimes. I think the first five years of our marriage was that way. Well, we're still married. We work through it, guys. We can work through stuff. Let's get to know each other. Let's do community. Let's do life, okay? So thanks for being here. We love you guys. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.